Broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. As always, welcome into it. What's up? And get ready. We got a lot to talk about today. Strap in, buckle up, and get ready. We're going to have some fun today. Welcome into it. This is the Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation here coast to coast all over the country, multiple radio stations all over the place. This is your political therapist. This is your patriot on the prairie. This is your millennial general. This is, well, your home for truth, reason, and common sense. That's what we do here on the show. Great to have you along. You can always find us on our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. No I in Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason on any of our social media and, of course, our website at HoosierReason.com. You can also find our podcast on any of your favorite podcasting sites with The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Subscribe, listen to it anytime that you want. And by the way, speaking of that, real quickly, I have to say thank you, especially howdy to the great state of California because you guys are killing it right now with the downloads that we've seen lately. We've seen a major jump over the last month or so. So I appreciate that very much. You guys are awesome. I love you to death. In California, you are dominating my podcast downloads. I don't even have any radio stations in California right now, which is probably why you're finding it on the podcast. So if you like the show, then we need to find a way to get the show on the program out there in your California state. And then we can try and turn some things around out there. So thank you guys. We love it. The podcasts are looking awesome and we always love you to death not to uh, leave out any of our really awesome radio affiliate partners all over the country with more jumping on here very soon. We have a lot to talk about, man. It's been a week and a half for sure between debates and election time. We'll break it all down. At bottom of this hour, we have Drew Thomas Allen, one of our favorite guests on the show. He has his new book. He's never written a book before. Now he has his book officially out, America's Last Stand. As we talk about presidential elections of 2024 and what it means for us to show up to the polls and change the future, potentially, of this nation, which I think is ironic as we just come out of an election for our, I guess if you want, I hate using this term, but the off-season elections that are not the presidential elections uh, for next year, but your local races, your city council and your school board and your county commission and your local dog catcher or whatever may have been on the ballot for this election was a very big one that did have some political ramifications for the national front as well. So we'll break that all down here. And now that we're done with the local elections, And I don't think they went quite as well as what Republicans wanted to for some of the big statewide races for governor, for example, governor of Kentucky is still Democrat for an abortion issue in the state of Ohio for a marijuana issue in the state of Ohio, Ohio. You guys had some interesting turnaround out there. And I know I grew up there, spent a lot of time out in the state of Ohio. And it's uh, we mentioned it on the weekday program. I'm not going to talk much about it on this show, but if you would like, you can go back and listen to the podcast of it from the week. It is definitely a conversation where I think we need to spend some time focusing on what to do to make our elections more fairer. And I think that includes looking at and finally having a conversation of which no other program, as far as I'm aware, has even mentioned this concept of putting in an electoral college at a statewide level in all the states. I think it is absolutely vital. I think it's absolutely necessary, and everybody that we mention it to thinks it's a great idea, but yet we don't see any action on it, and I think that's going to balance things out and make elections a little bit more fair at a statewide level. So we'll bring up some of that up in a little bit later as well. That being said, now that the elections are done, what's the next step? I think the next step now is that we focus on the holidays, which everybody gets to focus on a little bit of holiday season, not much, 
because we're going into now a week where uh, the continuing resolution is going to end again at the federal level. We could have a potential government shutdown threat again by the end of this coming week. U.S. Senator James Lankford, who we'll have on in next hour, hour number two, he's presented his Government Shutdown Prevention Act, and he is three votes away from getting the 60 votes needed in the Senate to pass a any, uh, a Government Shutdown Prevention Act to not allow the Democrats to use a government shutdown as a threat to ram through their agenda, make us compromise, and by compromise, you know that that means give up everything that we believe in in order to give whatever they want in order for them to allow it to go through. No more of that crap. So we'll talk with him about that in hour number two. Outside of all that, the biggest thing we need to focus on now is legislative session of 2024 at a statewide level. And there are a lot of hot topic issues that are going to be focused on with state legislators all over the country, wherever you may be. And one of them, of course, is going to be obviously abortion and social issues. And number two, the other thing that we've seen in the news quite a bit lately is minimum wage and trying to raise up your wages for workers. So let's get into that with our Week in Review. Let's, uh, let's, uh, we're going to do this. One. It's your Week in Review. One of these days I'm going to get my buttons all correct on this thing. Uh, all right, so headline from MSNBC this week on Main Street. It's time to prepare for the new state minimum wage hikes of 2024. <laughs> now, Again, before we go into that issue, I would like to remind you that we just went through a six-week protest from auto workers from the UAW that raised their uh, minimum wage substantially up to like $45 an hour, which is absolutely absurd, and it's not valued at what the private market said. We've talked about that many times before. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but uh, this does set, again, the precedent for other industries to be like, hey, I want my $40 an hour, which is now going to be the argument across states now what do you think chad jump on here for just a moment you've heard the fight for 15 for the last few years do you, what do you think that minimum wage fight is going to be for do you think it's still going to be 15 dollars an hour i'm thinking more like 21 dollars. 21 dollars you're going for well according to nb uh, cnbc the issues are coming up uh as hot topics and the priorities for state legislators in california Nebraska, Delaware, Maryland, and Hawaii to start off. More states discussing it as well. But California themselves talking about raising minimum wage for workers at McDonald's and Chipotle to $20 an hour. So you were close. Well done. You had $20 an hour. Well, you that, know. That's insane. My, my oldest daughter's generation is the one that pushed for the 15 an hour, and that still hadn't really worked all over the place. My youngest daughter's generation is going to want that 21 because, you know, inflation. Yeah, I mean, inflation. We need that built-in inflation, which is what the UAW's, UAW workers really fought for, right? Was the, hey, let's have that built-in protection. Every time inflation goes up, then we're just going to raise our wages as well. This is the ongoing. It makes my brain hurt. And I know I feel like I beat a dead horse on this program talking about this issue. But if we not learned our lessons at all on this topic, have we not learned our lessons that when you raise the rates for workers, then that means that the company raises the prices of the good, which means even with the higher rate, then you then have to pay more money to buy the products that they actually create. That causes, by the way, inflation because you're spending more money on the product just for the business to make the same amount of profit for you to still make the same amount of income because you're spending all that increased income on the product that you were trying to buy in the first place. And the hamster wheel continues and the low IQ individuals that are the leaders on these issues continue to dwindle. Here's the next interesting piece about this. 
According to another piece from CNBC, uh, it, it, I, we're going to break down why this is a little bit skewed, but nonetheless, according to the report, 31% of millionaires today say they're part of the middle class. <laughs> Wait, what? The millionaires. Now, I like to go back to the Barack Obama days of saying that, well, we're not going to raise your taxes for anybody under $250,000. That's the artificial line. That's the threshold right there. If you make 250000 or more, then you're a rich, evil jerk that needs to have your taxes raised to like 90%. If you're under that, then you're part of the middle class. Now, that is a very skewed number, and you have to put, quote-unquote, millionaire into perspective because you don't need to have a million dollars in the bank or you don't need to have a $1 million income a year to be considered a millionaire. According to the official definition of what a millionaire is, all you have to do is have a million dollars worth of assets or investment, which means you could be making $100,000 a year, but you have a million dollars in investment for your retirement, which means you would be considered a millionaire. So saying that 31% of millionaires say they're part of the middle class, that's really not that far-fetched. Because you could have a million dollars in assets, but you're not living a millionaire lifestyle. Democrats don't quite understand that concept. Progressives especially don't understand that concept. The media doesn't quite understand that concept either because they don't understand that investments are completely different than actual income. They just think you have a lot of money. You're probably a rich jerk. And like that 99% protest that we saw a couple of years ago, or they were protesting against the evil rich people and trying to divide the nation with the income inequalities, quote-unquote, they were using that as the millionaire and billionaire. That's what you hear Bernie Sanders use all the time. Oh, the evil millionaires and billionaires. They don't quite understand the concept of what a millionaire actually is because you're not making a million dollars to be considered an actual millionaire. So 31%, I think, is actually on a little bit of a low number because you could still be in the middle class with a million dollars worth of investments, but you're not actually living that millionaire lifestyle, rolling up in a Rolls Royce, coming out with a fur coat and just, uh, you know, sliding dollar bills to everybody that walks on by you. That's not the way millionaires roll. That being said, it is getting harder for everybody, including the upper class, quote unquote, middle, upper class, upper class to live because of the Biden inflation and because of the Biden economy. And when they start getting squeezed, that's when you know that there's going to be some drastic change in the elections. The middle class, yeah, you guys always take the brunt of it because you, the middle class, whether the Democrats want to admit it or not, they still are about 80% of the entire tax revenue in the nation because that is the bulk of the American society, population. There's the lower class, which is growing because with inflation, more people are falling into that category that were on the teetering line that have now been pushed over the edge and now in the low income levels and part of the quote unquote lower class. The middle class is being squeezed because that's the one that we get the chunk of the money from and Democrats recognize that, which is why they always go after them. And in the rich, there are some that are getting richer, I guess, but there's also some that are falling out of that upper class and going into that middle class such as individuals like this. And when that starts happening, that's when I think you start seeing some drastic change. Because as you know, in politics, you have to have two things that make you successful, which is a lot of money and a good PR team. And the people with a lot of money donate to the campaigns to where they know that that agenda is going to go through to where they can make more money. When they start losing money, then things start actually getting changed because they don't want to lose that money. So at the end of the day, the quote-unquote wealthy are actually the ones looking out for our best interest as well, because when they're making more money, we're making more money. 
at the same time. And the progressives don't understand that. I think the best example to expose how ignorant I think the media and ignorant the Democrats really are on this issue was during the debate this week when they were talking about ways to immediately lower gas prices, immediately lower food prices with the Biden economy and the Biden inflation, what you would do about that. And every candidate, if you watch the debate, I don't know how many did because apparently the ratings were terrible on it. Nobody actually cares anymore. But if you did watch the debate, the the conversation was actually quite interesting for most of the candidates. Everybody gave a typical Republican response, getting rid of government regulation, getting rid of red tape, trying to invest in the private sector, trying to allow oil to actually be drilled to become energy independent again. I mean, they all gave some great responses, but there was one part, and I think we got to take a break in a minute here, so we'll play the audio when we come back. There was one part when Tim Scott gave a really brilliant response to it, and Lester Holt, why he's moderating a Republican debate as a progressive Democrat, I'm not quite sure, but that's another conversation for another time. Lester Holtz tried to do a follow-up question and say, oh, all these investments on trying to drill for oil later and trying to build pipelines and do all this, that's great, but that's not going to solve things immediately. What would you do to solve it right now, Mr. Tim Scott? Not quite understanding the process. Tim Scott had a great response to that. We'll play that when we come back as well. Do you believe millionaires are part of that middle class? And do you believe that the $20 minimum wage is going to be the next step to solve our economic crises and inflationary problems in the nation? (laughs) We'll do some more of that when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you check us out, we always love you to death. Yes, you're a political therapist. Hey, one of these days, I swear I'm going to remember to actually have my pipe with me when we do that. I can get back here in my sweater vest with my pipe. We got the video stream going, which you can find on all of our social media sites. Also, our partners over at OpsLens, O-P-S-L-E-N-S dot com. Go and check those out. You can see it on their website, their app, and their social media as well. You can see the video feed of the show every day uh, throughout the week and for this program as well. Leave a comment. And uh, by the way, I never give out the way that you can reach the show because uh, sometimes we don't always air live in your market or wherever you're watching it. So if you want to reach out to the show, best way to do so is go to the website at hoosierreason.com. And you can leave a comment there, which sends me an email, and I will respond to it. Maybe not always right away or immediately, but I will respond to it. And you can let me know of anything that is on your mind from guests to topics to just calling me a jerk. I don't really care. Whatever you want to do, totally fine. But, uh, yes, we're always here for you, and we appreciate you very much. So I, I always wonder if we are recognizing the fact that we shoot ourselves in the foot with the choices that we make politically. I'm always curious if we are aware that these agendas that are pushed before us, remember, the Democrats do this very sneakily. They do this very smartly. They are, while we call them not the brightest crayons in the boxes, they are actually very smart with their long-term agenda. They recognize that when they throw the the, uh, the wrench in the cog and the cog stops working, then we start panicking. And because we've been conditioned to not solve the issue ourselves, we somehow always have to look to the government to solve it for us. 
And while they were the ones that actually caused the problem in the first place, we're now asking the government to solve the problem that they had actually solved. And they're anticipating that move by coming in like Gandalf riding on his great white horse, you know, over the hill in the mountainside, ready to save the day, because they're already prepared for anticipating for us to be asking for them to solve the issue. So when we see inflation, we have to ask the question, where did inflation come from? (laughs) Well, inflation came from the government spending too much money. Uh, The inflation came from the government printing too much money. And the inflation came from raising rates above what the market value was set for those wages to where the prices for the goods were raised in order to compensate for the revenue on top of the ongoing inflation from the government, on top of the regulations that we have to put in place, on top of the government telling the businesses how to actually operate. And then we're like, gee, we can't support our homes on a regular income anymore. Guess we better raise it. And we eat our own hand, so to speak. And it's really stupid. So when asked about that, we're really taking our own jobs, right? He took his job. He took his <laughs> That's really what we're doing to ourselves. He didn't take it us. We're doing it ourselves. There was an interesting back and forth uh, during the debate with Tim Scott when Lester Holtz asked him about the uh, building pipelines and trying to be energy independent. And Tim Scott had a brilliant response. And the follow-up from the moderator was kind of interesting. But let me just follow up. The idea of pumping gas, of, of turning on pipelines, that doesn't put make gas cheaper that day. I'm talking about you become president. What can you do specifically to help people feel better about their situation or be better with their situation? Well, actually, it does, to be honest with you. The way that the economy works is it works on the ability to anticipate excess supply versus the demand. When that happens, confidence drives our prices down because we know there's going to be a greater surplus. When you allow for those who have leases to actually start drilling, to start using those leases for for more energy excavation, you put our economy in the strongest position. And as a result of that, prices start going down. That is the kind of economy that as president of the United States, I would lead this nation to making sure that we first use the resources in our own country and not going outside of our country in order to achieve our objective. You know, that's wild. It's weird that he doesn't know that. It's weird that the media doesn't know that, which is why, again, reaffirms the question, why is a Democrat moderating a Republican debate when this is common sense and they question us on the most basic understandings of how the market actually works? Crazy world today. Drew Thomas Allen, right around the corner. When we come back to Voice of Reason, stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Broadcasting all over the place, out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our Hoosier Media Network studios. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride with us on a weekend with our Weekend Review here on the show. So much to cover, so much to talk about, so much to do. As usual, we had a crazy week between elections and local elections. The off-season election. I hate using that term off-season election because it's not an off-season. If you're going to the polls and you're voting, it's an election season. And it's probably the more important election because you actually got to have a say in your local uh, community. And I will say, depending on how some governor's races and other things did across the, uh, across the nation, I'm really happy with some of the really small local um, 
home front elections that happen. Here in Wichita, for example, where I'm based out of, we had some wild ones. There is now, imagine this, Wichita, I believe, is like in the top 50 for size of cities across the nation. And there is now only one Democrat on the entire city council for the city of Wichita. Yeah. Imagine that. We have the mayor's race. Well, one term Democrat got booted out there. We now have a very conservative libertarian mayor. Uh, We have three uh, city council seats that went all red in this election. So out of the, I want to say six Wichita uh, city council seats, only one of them are actually Democrat. That's huge. I mean, that's what Donald Trump likes to say. That's bigly, my friends, because you know what? We're starting to recognize that going down that road is not the way to do it. In fact, that's why the mayor of Dallas ended up flipping party affiliation to Republican because their crime's gone up 75% in the city of Dallas. I mean, Chad, you know, you're lit. You based out of Dallas right now. Have you seen crime rates go up over the last couple of years? I'm pretty sure we we are seeing crime like crazy all over the place, especially DFW Metroplex. I mean, it's it's oh, we heard about this gunshot. Oh, we heard about this. And sometimes it's domestic violence and sometimes it's not. It's wild. Yeah. Well, people are hopefully people are starting to wake up and recognize it, which is why we saw hopefully some decent election turnout and and, uh, results in your local community uh, from earlier this week. Now that means that we have now geared up to legislative session of 2024 and the big election coming up in 2024 as well, which is why we're really happy to have this guy back on. We love chatting with him here on the program as he is host of the Drew Thomas Allen Show podcast. Also, his latest book that's officially out, my friends. Yeah, which you can find it online. America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Happy to have back on the program here, Drew Thomas Allen. Drew, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, brother. It's great to be with you on a Saturday. Yeah, good to have you on the program again. It's always fun. And congratulations, man. I know you and I have talked quite a bit on you getting prepared for this book. How's it feel that it's now finally out? Well, it feels good. It feels really good. And it's uh, I'm a competitive guy, too. And I didn't write the book for any bona fides, you know, I mean, I, I do publicity for a lot of famous people and authors and so on and so forth. And uh, it was an important message. It's something I've been working on for, you know, uh, about as long as the baby cooks in the womb, you know, about nine months or so. And uh, now that it's here, the reception's been great. I'm, you know, obviously like now I'm getting out on the media circuit, doing a bunch of TV and radio and the response has been good so far. So I just want to, you know, I mean, I wrote it because I want people to read it. And I think it's uh, important, hopefully, in contributing to saving the country in some way. We need a lot more than just my book, of course. Um, you know, in 2024, it's, it's, it's really it's, it's an inflection point in U.S. history. We're living through it. And we who are alive, those of you listening, we are the patriots of 24. And uh, it really is uh, up to us to save the country now. It is. Let's set the stage for 2024 and let's recap the elections that we saw earlier this week. We saw some major policy shock and awe, I guess, if you want to call it that, in certain states, state of Ohio, the the big one that popped up with abortion issues and the legalization of marijuana. Both of those that Republicans have fought against, obviously, for different reasonings and purposes. We can talk about marijuana for a second, but I mean, the big issue, obviously, was abortion, which it seems like, Drew, every time that Democrats get a little scared about an election, they bring up a social issue like that. They bring out that politics of fear. They get everybody all riled up and paranoid that Republicans want to send them back to the 1950s for whatever reason. And that uh, that's how they drive their voter base to the polls. And I think it worked in the state of Ohio with them protecting abortion as a constitutional right now, putting it into the Ohio state constitution. Does this set a panic or fear, do you think, into Republicans moving into 2024 with results that we saw like this for this year? 
Well, look, I think that it, we're overstating the significance of the abortion issue. I'm not saying it's not an issue. It is. And we need to come up with a coherent message in terms of dealing with it. I mean, there's no reason that abortion as an issue uh, should be controversial you know, like, you know, Yunkin, when he wants to, to ban it at 15 weeks. I mean, I'm sorry if if you can't get an abortion before four months, um, you know, I, I'm sorry. And I have a I have a young one. I have a a, um, you know, a seven month old. And I remember going to the doctor and seeing those first uh, sonograms and ultrasounds at, you know, nine, 10 weeks. And I'm sorry, that's that's a, that's that's a human being. That's a baby, you know. Um, not a clump of cells. So anyway, look, I, 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 look, we're going to lose a lot of our, our party too, our base. If we come out and say, well, we have to adopt the left's platform of abortion, but there's a way to do it. And, and I understand politics, you know, Trump, when he kind of uh, came out and tried not to make it an issue, uh, people got upset with him and, and accused him of betraying the pro-life movement, but that's nonsense. You know, you, you say things sometimes in politics, not to give the opponent ammunition. And the truth is Trump has done more for the pro-life movement than anyone, uh, given the fact that uh, he's responsible for putting the justices on the court, Supreme Court, that overturned Roe v. Wade. So, you know, look, we didn't show up to vote. That's what a lot of it was. And it's hard. You know, look, gubernatorial races, statewide races, unfortunately, people don't view them like they do national presidential campaigns. And if we did, we probably would have won more. I mean, if you look at Kentucky, for example, I mean, we won most of the, the, the races, actually, but we lost the governor to an incumbent, which wasn't that surprising. But 1.3 million people showed up to vote for President Trump in 2020, uh, and he destroyed Joe Biden, but less than uh, 700,000 showed up to vote for uh, Daniel Cameron, the the, the uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate, and 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 actually the incumbent, the Democrat, he won with less than 700,000 votes himself. So it was kind of pitiful turnout, really. Yeah, it was a really bi- a really bad turnout. And the media, of course, always loves to set the stage for 2024 by using these. I saw the headline on Wednesday morning after the election saying that the elections on Tuesday night has stricken the heart uh, in the in the fear into the hearts of the MAGA Republicans for 2024 because some of these uh, Trump endorsed candidates didn't do well, and we ended up losing the uh, to, uh, essentially the the legislature in the state of Virginia. We had the Ohio election. We had the Democrat governor in uh, Kentucky and in uh, other states as well. So they they use this as Democrat voters are riled up. Democrat voters are willing to turn out, and Republicans just aren't. And I don't know that that's necessarily true because of the common sense, you know, family sitting at the round table having the conversation right now about the issues that they're struggling with, which is predominantly economic issues. I don't see Republicans just idly sitting by. Maybe they just didn't want to turn out to this one. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I think there are a couple things going on that are kind of uh, uh, warnings, if you will, uh, to heed going into 2024. And it ties into the book. But, you know, I encounter a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I think we've got more activism going on on our side and people do feel a sense of urgency. But also there are a lot of people on our side still that just uh, they don't want to engage. They 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 don't want to talk about politics because it's depressing or it's not cool to do anymore. They'd rather just or put do you their think they don't the trust sand. the system? Do they not trust people the system trust because the they're system. concerned about corruption? Well, look, this is a problem we have to deal with. You and I probably, too, on our shows and everything. Uh you know, I'll be the first to tell you, yeah, 2020 was uh, stolen. Uh, I mean, there was there was certainly fraud, rampant fraud. And I would point to a recent uh, mayoral race just between Democrats in Connecticut. The judge threw out the results 
because of, of cheating. So the Democrats are now cheating to beat other Democrats, and it's being reported on. The judge actually had the cojones to throw it out, which, you know, no judge would even hear a case in 2020. Uh, but my point is, a lot of people are messaging that there's no point, that every election is stolen, uh, that there's no point anymore. And this is a problem because if, if our side and people on our side are going to send that kind of messaging out there that there's no point because every election's rigged and we just don't show up to vote, we're definitely going to lose. And so we have to do what, what's within our power. And look, there should be no reason for Democrats to win in 2024 just based on reality, but we have to be the messengers. I mean, the individual, not just you with a radio show or six radio shows, you know, and you're, you know, you're a busy guy. But, you know, like that's why I wrote the book, to, in, to, to, to kind of uh, give people a lot of conviction about what's at stake and what we need to do and to give them arguments to push back against the left. And, and really, I mean, I wish, I hope like Democrats read the book or people that are at least uh, on the fence right now and don't understand uh, why this is happening. And they, they, they can't, can't quite attach what's happening to Democrat party policies and intention. But that's why I wrote the book. I mean, like Thomas Paine wrote, common sense to persuade the colonists to support the American Revolution. I wrote this book to convince Americans uh, to support uh, Donald Trump in 2024. And it's not just about Donald Trump, but he is the, the, uh, the answer in 2024. And, and it's not the, the, the long-term solution, but if that doesn't happen, we're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a mess that we're seeing right now. The book is America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? Obviously, the other issue was not just the elections on Tuesday, but the debate that we saw, the third Republican presidential debate that saw very little ratings. I saw a study that as of like 2015 or 2016, since Trump ran for office the first time, that viewership and ratings for debates are down over 70%. A lot of that blame is on Republican leadership, Ronald McDaniel and uh, the RNC. And of course, Donald Trump, whether he's partaking in that or not, you just kind of hinted on that a little bit. But in about 30 seconds, we got to take a break here. But do you think that Donald Trump is still the face of the Republican Party right now? I do. I believe that. I mean, if, if you look at uh, the other campaigns out there who are desperate to unseat him by Iowa or New Hampshire, um, you know, they're, they're messaging different that it's over for Donald Trump. That's not true. I mean, the polls haven't changed. Uh, he, he's still a significant leader. And honestly, people aren't watching these debates because they, they, it's like watching Colin Kaepernick stage his own uh, practice sessions trying out for an NFL QB position. I mean, what's the point? That's a great point. I mean, yeah, you're you're really, I, I don't know, there's a position and a place for them within the Republican Party, and it's not about one person within the party, but they do have a position. I think they're just trying to figure out what that position may actually be. We can delve into some of that when we come back. It's Drew Thomas Allen, America's Last Stand, also the Drew Allen Show podcast, which you can find as well. We'll do some more of this when we come back here right around the corner for your weekend edition of The Voice Reason. Lots more to get to. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosier holics gather every week, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is where Hoosier Hollicks gather on a daily and weekly basis right here. We have to deal with our addiction. And that's what we do here on the show. So welcome back into it. Last few minutes here, wrapping up hour number one. We're hanging out with Drew Thomas Allen. America's Last Stand is the book. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? 
as we talk about the elections, we talk about the state of the Democrat Party, their platform, their agenda, and the activity of the voters. Gerald, shift gears to the leadership in the Republican Party right now. As we mentioned, the uh, viewership and debates are down near 70%. The loss of elections over the past couple of years, really, the past couple cycles, we're starting to see the blame uh, focus on the RNC and Ronna McDaniel. Now, Republicans do what Republicans do best, which is when we start to lose, we start to eat ourselves alive, which is, I guess, good to clean up. But at the same time, we always love to pass the blame and point fingers whenever we don't do well in some way. But do you think that there is a need for leadership change within the Republican Party? The good news is, is that when we had a lack of a Speaker of the House, we went deep into the ranks of the Republican vault. And we pulled out Mike Johnson, and he's a fantastic speaker from what I've seen so far. I think he's going to do a fantastic job. And it was encouraging to me that we were able to go deep into those ranks and pull out a no-name that no one really knew about in order to do that and see him do so well. Is that needed, do you think, on the whole RNC and the National Republican leadership platform? Yeah, I mean, it needs to be shaken up. I mean, people's fear is like – you know, it, it, what if it gets worse? I mean, I don't know how it can get much worse than it is currently. But, you know, Ronna <laughs> McDaniel, you know, I'm, I, look, I'm, I, I like making fun of Ronna McDaniel. I like calling for her firing as well. Um, I think that that's valid. I mean, accountability is the word that people keep saying. But it's not just her fault. You know, it's nice to pin it all on her. But it's um, as the leadership, she's the face of it. But there's a lot of components to the RNC, and it is pretty useless. I mean, the job is to isolate and... You know, I mean, you got to be a political strategist, and we are not. The Democrats are great at targeting these races and coming up with uh, communication. And, and But, you know, she's just dodging the bullet. That's the thing, you know. I, I would have a little bit more sympathy for her if she would come out un, while she's under attack and say, yeah, I get we have these problems and this is what we need to do. But instead, she just said, that's not my fault. You know, other people, the you know, the the uh, the, the whatever the. I'm trying to think of the name she used. But anyway, you know, you got these other people that are, are getting paid to do this kind of stuff. It's not my job to do messaging. So I, I just I really am, am fed up with this because the stakes are high and we need to win. And so I'm tired of this wasted time where we're on the defense or playing the blame game. You know, we, and this is my whole thing with, with Trump right now. I mean, <laughs> with the DeSantis campaign, in my opinion, and I'll probably upset people because, you know, he's still got 10 fans out there. But, uh, you know, th- th- they're indistinguishable in their speech right now from Never Trumpers and the Lincoln Project. And my fear is that I don't know how you come back to this at the end. I, I, when Trump eventually is the nominee, which seems to be inevitable to me, um, that the things that have been said by particularly the, the, the DeSantis campaign, which if you're on the losing end of things, it's different. As a winner, you can say whatever you want and you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to bend the knee. But the other side, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, and I'm worried about our side coming together at, you know, and doing what's necessary to win the country. I mean, you know, if we need to convince Americans to vote for Trump in 2024 because he's the nominee, how effective can these people be when they've just spent the past year and a half uh, talking about him like Democrats do. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, Republicans are going through an identity crisis right now. We have for a while, and the infighting has continued to get worse. And I, I guess we need some type of uh, civil war within the party to really set the tone for what we're going to stand for. But right now we're seeing that clear as day. We have Mike Johnson, who's going to be a fantastic speaker, that's uh, promoting an agenda. But then we have Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell on the other side of the aisle that freezes up during a press conference twice a time, you know, two times a, a day, whatever, that he's advocating for something completely opposite because he wants the same old, same old. Like we're seeing it right in front of our eyes, the difference between what the what the Republican Party wants and what we actually stand for. 
Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, I want to bring this up to it's related to what you're saying. You know, you were asking me about, uh, you know, Republicans going out to vote and that they feel like the whole thing's rigged. Is that, dis- you know, discouraging them and so on and so forth? Well, you know, I'm kind of in a position now as somebody who honestly is a professional political analyst at this point and have been for years. But, you know, I, I watch the Republican Party. I don't trust anybody anymore. So this is a yeah. problem, too. I mean, it's put up or shut up and, and it, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating. America's Last Stand is the book. Got to go check it out. Find it on Amazon. Find it on his website, other places as well. America's Last Stand, will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? It is Drew Thomas Allen. Drew, we love you to death, my friend. Keep up the fight. Uh, congratulations on this book. We got to get you back on and talk again real soon, brother. Thanks, brother. Hey, always a pleasure. There it is. America's Last Stand. Go and check it out. How important is this election in 2024? We always say it's the most important election of our generation, and it may be overhyped that way, but this time, I think it kind of is. The direction of this nation is in your hands on how we turn out for this one. All right, hour number two, right around the corner. We'll talk some more about this and a heck of a lot more. Plus, U.S. Senator James Lankford from the state of Oklahoma will join us around the corner as well. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll be right back.